0: Welcome back to the Gold Factor podcast, your guide and gateway to a life of purpose and fulfillment. I'm your host, Bernadette Gold, transformation and high-performance coach, here to lead you through another chapter of my audiobook, The Crooked Path to a Charmed Life, A Clairvoyant Medium's Journey to Embracing Her Spiritual Gifts. Now remember, each episode of season one is a new chapter in the book as we traverse the realms of the scene And the unseen. So let's dive in and continue our adventure together. It's time to think bigger, feel deeply, and act boldly. Chapter 9 Finding the Love of My Life. In the middle of healing my broken hip, I had ended a relationship with a guy who joined the Marine Corps. Having a relationship wasn't his priority, since he had plans for officer candidate school. I didn't care though. I had Quincy, and nothing was more important to me than him. My ex-boyfriend left for boot camp. I started working for his friend, selling financial products. Super Bowl weekend, my new boss, hosted a pre-game party. He asked me to attend. Being a friend of my ex-boyfriend, he wanted me to have some fun. He was worried I wasn't over the breakup. I agreed to go. Football wasn't my thing but the party was fun. There were only a few people I knew, so I planned on leaving early. One of my coworkers introduced me to a couple of Marines as I made my way through the crowd of people. I didn't think anything of it. As the night wore on, I was getting bored. I made my way to the bathroom, thinking I would leave right after. When I came out of the bathroom, this short guy was standing right outside the door. He startled me, asking if I was leaving. He reintroduced himself as Robbie. I told him I was bored and was going home. He followed me to the front door and out to my car. We ended up talking for quite some time, sitting on the hood of my car while I smoked. It was getting late, and I was tired. So I told him I had to go. He asked for my phone number and if he could take me out. I quickly jotted down my number on a business card and left. Super Bowl Sunday arrived, the perfect day to ride Quincy. Most people would be home watching the game. As I was getting ready to leave for the stables, the phone rang. Robbie called, asking if we could hang out. I explained I was heading to the stables to see my horse. He asked if he could meet me there. While I was riding in the arena, Robbie approached, waving hello. He didn't know anything about horses, but he seemed to like Quincy. We brushed Quincy down, put him back in his stall, and went out to eat. Robbie was easy to talk to. He was super sweet, kind, and innocent. He mentioned he had a messed up childhood with a troubled mother, but he didn't get into details. We began spending a lot of time together. At the time, I was renting a room from a woman who believed aliens were visiting her. She loved to talk, telling me stories of alien abductions. She was quite the storyteller. I spent hours after work listening to strange stories about aliens. Grateful it wasn't ghosts. She liked me and loved Robbie. For the most part, she left us alone when he visited. Back in the 80s, Dana Point, California, was the party place to live. My best friend, Debbie, and I rented an apartment there for six months. My best friend from high school, Krista, was living nearby in San Diego. She had met a Marine from Oceanside, who she eventually married. Robbie and I were going strong when he asked me to do a contract marriage so he could live with me. Unfortunately, his best friend was trying to do the same thing at the same time, to get off base. I was pissed, he would even suggest it. It took us some time to get over that one, but paled in comparison to what came next. Completely in love, barely adults, Robbie and I faced a difficult decision. Late on my period, we went to Planned Parenthood for a pregnancy test. Within minutes, the nurse returned confirming a positive pregnancy result. Happy at first, the joy drained away when Robbie told me he wasn't ready to have a child. As a Virgo, he wanted everything to be perfect before starting a family. We weren't married, and on his salary, things would be rough. What was I supposed to do? I couldn't raise a child on my own, and I didn't want to lose him. We spent a week discussing the options. Then, Robbie promised that we would get married. Once stable, we could start our family. Reluctantly, I agreed to have an abortion and wait until we were married to have a baby. We called to schedule the procedure for the following week. Arriving at the clinic, protesters holding signs lined the parking lot. Hiding my head under a jacket, we rushed to the door. Once inside, I questioned Robbie to make sure we were making the right decision. He reassured me, painting a picture of a future with at least two kids. On the way home, still drugged from the anesthesia, I quietly cried, staring out the car window, filled with sorrow, grieving the baby I would never meet. Rob was sad, feeling guilty, unsure of how to comfort me. We spent the night on the couch watching movies I couldn't track, lost in my mind, silently praying to God for forgiveness. Months later, Robbie invited me to meet him in Vegas the following week. His squadron was doing training exercises at a nearby Air Force base. So Friday, I left work, drove the three hours to Vegas, meeting up with Robbie in the lobby, We checked into a hotel, went to see the sights, and went looking for a restaurant. All through dinner, he looked nervous, squirming in his chair like he had a secret. Although questioning him about it, he said he wasn't used to being around so many people. I understood. As we made our way back to the hotel, we detoured to see the pool at the Tropicana. Robbie motioned for me to sit on a patio chair. Like a gentleman, He pulled the chair out for me, then dropped on a knee. Before I could process what was happening, a black ring box appeared in his hand. Through tears, apologizing for not being ready to have a child, proclaiming his undying love for me, he asked if I would marry him. I wrapped my arms around him, with tears streaming down my face. I whispered, yes, I want to be your wife. Robbie stood us up, swung me around in his arms, then stopped to place a solitaire on my finger. Still wanting my mom to be proud, I called her when we got home from Vegas, sharing the news of our engagement. But she was determined to control every aspect of the wedding and the guest list. Within weeks, there were 100 strangers invited to our wedding, Neither one of us wanted a big wedding, preferring something small and private. Mom wouldn't listen, as I tried to impress upon her how tight our budget was. Arguing with her was annoying. The wedding was getting out of control. Even though I had dress waiting at the bridal shop, Robbie and I decided to secretly elope before the wedding costs put us in the poorhouse. We drove to the mountains in Northern California, to a small chapel in Lake Arrowhead, officially becoming husband and wife. Waiting a few days after tying the knot, we called my mom to cancel all the wedding plans. Although mom was furious, we hit our giggles as we listened to her rant on the phone, knowing we did the right thing. Next, we slowly notified our friends and family. Some asked if the reason we eloped was due to pregnancy. It wasn't. But that question triggered a cascade of grief and guilt, ruining the happy news. Robbie and I married at the young age of 19. He was in the Marine Corps Air Wing, working as a hydraulic mechanic on the F-18s. Robbie was traveling a lot with the Air Wing. while we both loved each other. Life was getting in the way of our happily ever after. I was getting used to him being gone for weeks at a time. No matter where he went, he wrote me love letters. When he was gone, I focused my energy on Quincy. His squadron went to Egypt for a month to train with international forces. For the safety of the crew and pilots, I never knew the exact day he would return. Quincy was boarded off base at a stable nearby. After riding and bathing him, I hand walked him to dry. Robbie had been gone nearly a month. I hadn't received any letters that week. As I approached Quincy's stall to put him away, I heard someone yell out my name. Looking in the direction of the voice, I saw Robbie, still dressed in desert fatigues, running toward me. We stood next to Quincy in a tight embrace, only broken, by horse slobber. Quincy was happy to see Rob, too. When he was home, we enjoyed spending time together with our dog, Max. Sometimes we hung out at the beach while Robbie surfed with his friend. I'd read a good book, sunbathing. One of our favorite activities was exploring the trails. I rode Quincy while he rode his mountain bike ahead of us. Friday nights were drive-in movie date nights with our dog, Eventually, we got a puppy named Shadow. We took turns with each dog in our lap at the drive in. So life was feeling pretty good. Besides the counselor I used to see, Robbie was the first person I opened up to about my childhood and painful past. I had so much pain hidden away. He never judged me, he just loved me and listened. We did everything together, calling ourselves the Wonder Twins from a cartoon. Everyone loved Robbie, including my mom. Dad respected that he was a Marine stationed at the same base Dad was. Robbie was handsome, but most of all, he was polite, respectful, and kind. Mom was constantly praising and complimenting him. I couldn't figure out why she treated him so well when she seemed to hate me so much. He was a self-proclaimed atheist, but never mentioned that to her. Every time we spent time with her, I felt jealous, confused, and angry, resulting in projections on to Rob. Riddled with pelvic pain, episodes for months. I ended up in the hospital with an infection. Endometriosis caused ruptured cysts, and ongoing pain was a constant battle. During one of my hospital stays, my mom came to visit. I remember her leaning over my bed, telling me to get up, get better, and stop ruining my husband's military career. But I would later find out she was projecting She had been the cause of my dad's military career being cut short. Robbie was furious with her. He called her away from my bed, sending her from the hospital. For once, I didn't have to defend myself alone. Having a baby and being a mother was all I wanted since the abortion. I was obsessed with getting pregnant. After two laparoscopies to remove ruptured cysts, the doctors told me I would have trouble conceiving. Just a year into our marriage, the promise to have a family seemed impossible. In my grief, I projected all of my sorrow onto Robbie. I blamed him, wanting to punish him for losing the chance to have a family. I blamed myself for what I had done He knew I was devastated and felt horrible about the prognosis. In an attempt to find a solution, he suggested adoption. Knowing how unloved I felt as a child, the idea of offering an unwanted child a loving home felt good. Unable to let go of the desire to have his baby, I was glad to have options at least. Our relationship was intense, romantic, and as you can imagine, sometimes emotionally volatile. We loved each other fiercely. Unfortunately, we fought and argued fiercely, too. We were good at making up, though. No matter how mad Rob would be, he never called me a name. I wish I could say the same. He was good at saying that I was Behaving a certain way rather than saying I was this or that. I knew he loved me and I loved him. Robbie was so happy and proud that I was his wife. He wanted to take me home to meet his grandparents, who raised him. Christmas was coming, so we booked a flight to Maryland to spend time with his grandparents and brother Stan. Although he and his dad weren't speaking much, I talked him into giving him a chance, too. He wanted his grandparents to like me and for me to see his family home. Listening to his stories about growing up, he expressed how much he hated that his family used to own funeral homes. Dead bodies frightened him because of the strange supernatural events he had experienced at a young age. He didn't want to talk about it anymore. The subject dropped. Instead, he told me all about his childhood adventures. Thankfully, they lived in an ordinary house on the river, not a funeral home. Stan picked us up at the airport, stopping at Denny's on the way to the house. I noticed heads turning as others stared at us as we walked to our table holding hands. Immediately feeling dread, threatened, I asked Rob what was happening He explained that people viewed us as a mixed couple, which wasn't a common sight there. I tried to ignore the stares and eat. I lost my appetite. An old, familiar feeling overtook me, and I wished I could be invisible. Sitting down for a meal with Robbie's grandparents was a little unnerving. I could feel some disapproval, but didn't know what to make of it. At one point, as the food was going around the table, his grandmother began asking me questions about myself. She then announced surprisingly, I had a black friend once. She was our maid. I had no idea how to handle that, and I had never experienced blatant racism before. Call me naive, but I didn't get it. Being mixed race Filipino-Portuguese with parents from Hawaii, As dinner went on, they asked if we were going to have children. Robbie explained, we were thinking of adopting, since I was having trouble conceiving. His grandmother was not pleased. After dinner, I overheard a heated talk between Rob and his grandmother. Voices were getting louder. It was apparent she was furious with him. He made it clear that we would adopt Any baby we wanted, Asian, Black, Mexican, it didn't matter. Then she began yelling about how our marriage was wrong, that God wouldn't let us have a baby because I wasn't white, and it wasn't right. I was in shock, scared, and angry all at the same time. I grabbed our suitcase and began packing my clothes. I wanted to get as far away from this house as I could. Rob didn't argue with her. Instead, he came to the room and helped me pack. Unable to get a flight home, we ended up at his dad's house, where we spent Christmas with his brother. Returning home from that trip changed our relationship. I was angry that Rob didn't stand up to his grandmother. She threatened to disinherit him just for being married to me. I couldn't comprehend how he could stand up to my mom, but he couldn't do it with his grandmother. Our relationship began to fill with arguments. We tried marriage counseling, but even in our sessions, we would end up in a fight. Robbie and I promised we would never go to bed angry. Then, one weekend, an argument broke out on a Friday night. We stayed up all night fighting refusing to sleep until we resolved it. By mid-afternoon, we had forgotten what we were arguing about, laughing at how silly we were being. We spent the rest of the weekend watching movies, napping, and staying home. Rob and I talked many times about adopting, but we never applied. Our marriage was rocky. We were both suffering from depression, Neither one of us seeking professional help. Military life was making things worse, so we decided it would be better to end his military career once his contract expired. Looking back, I wish we had tried harder to find professional help. Robbie loved being a Marine. He would have stayed until retirement if it weren't for our troubled marriage. Once out of the Marine Corps, we moved to Washington State, To be close to my family. After what happened in Maryland, I couldn't bear to live there. Home to Boeing, Washington was the only place we thought we could make it financially. Robbie had a hard time finding work. Boeing had laid off hundreds of employees before our arrival. His depression worsened, and so did mine. I was angry at him for so many things, and I was desperate to feel better. Washington turned out to be a disastrous move. Neither one of us was happy, both deeply depressed, unsuccessfully trying to cope. Before moving, I worked at a private investigation firm. I loved my job, my boss, and my coworkers. So when we first arrived in Seattle, I went to work for another private investigator. Chuck was an intense man, on a mission to find kids in Canada, kidnapped by one parent in a divorce, hidden on tribal land. There were only three of us that worked in the office. Chuck's girlfriend handled the paperwork, accompanying him on occasion when he made trips to Canada. I was assigned surveillance cases, mostly spying on cheating spouses. Doing process serving work and surveillance didn't interest me. I spent too much time alone, which meant I had too much time to think. Money was tight, too. Robbie couldn't get a job that paid much. Alone in the office with Chuck, he invited me into his office and closed the door. He noticed I was rubbing my back and asked why. Sharing the story about the horse accident, I explained I still had back issues. He offered a chiropractic adjustment to my back, which wasn't too strange. I watched him adjust his girlfriend plenty of times. I agreed and made my way to the couch where he was sitting. Chuck told me to get undressed. Since he didn't have access to x-rays, he needed to view my skeletal structure. Uncomfortable. I undressed while listening to him drone on about his special talent for back adjustments. To relax for the adjustment, he poured me a glass of whiskey, which I chugged back. Before the glass was on the table, he pushed me onto the couch, holding me down as he pulled his pants down to rape me. Frozen in shock and fear, I drove home in tears. Rushing through the front door, I ran to the bathroom, stripped off my clothes, and sat on the floor of the tub under the hot water, sobbing. Robbie pulled the shower curtain slowly to the side, shut off the water, wrapped me in a towel, and walked to the bed. Facing me, he laid down and asked what happened. Trying to catch my breath, making him promise not to do anything, I blurted out the details. Knowing Chuck had friends in the police department, I told Robbie I wouldn't file a police report. He held me tight until I fell asleep. We never talked about it again. Within days, I was cocktail waitressing at a country western bar. Drinking nightly became my way of suppressing my emotions. I felt stupid and convinced myself God was punishing me for the choices I'd made. Years had passed without any significant interaction or sign that the angels were near. Maybe they were only supposed to help me get through my childhood. I wished they could help me now. But I thought I was too far gone for them to save me. I hated my life. I felt dirty, empty, and I took it out on him. I did everything I could to push him away. We loved each other, but we didn't have the tools or emotional maturity to repair our broken lives or broken marriage. We had no children, no assets, so we filed a non-contested divorce. While I pushed Robbie away, I secretly wanted him to fight for me and refused to leave. He didn't. Instead, he moved back to California for a job, and I remained in Washington for another year. Before he left, we told each other if we weren't married and both available when we were 30, we would try again. I thought it was possible. I believed we just needed time to grow and heal. Eventually, he moved back to Maryland heartbroken. I convinced myself it was better for him that I was out of his life. At least I wouldn't be responsible for a lost inheritance. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Gold Factor Podcast. Want some free resources? Well, join my Facebook community, a group of heart-centered, ambitious individuals just like you just go and visit the link in the description or you can go to facebook.com forward slash groups the gold factor and remember if you're enjoying the book so far follow the podcast leave a review I'd really appreciate it as we're launching and growing the podcast and share it on social media all right I'll see you in the next episode have a great day be blessed and be a blessing.